Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same, never, 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 I will never be the same, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I thank you, Lord, that that's not just words that come out of our mouth, Lord, but what we believe in our heart, that we will never be the same, Lord. I pray for your word, Lord, to see the living, living word, the powerful rhema word that's going to go out this morning. I pray that it would change our minds, renew our minds, Lord, and and land in our heart on good ground and bear its fruit, Father. I thank you, Lord, as we hear your word, that it would truly uh, change us and cause us to be doers of your word and not just hearers in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. amen. So we're going, uh, it's not really a series, but we started uh, the year uh, with Back for More in 24. And my wife and I, as we do at the end of the year, we went away and then the first week of the year we fasted and we prayed. And the Lord was really leading me into having vision for our past before we look into our future, which was new to me because vision is always uh, uh, foresight, right? It's, it's hardly ever uh, hindsight. So we're always looking forward. Vision is always about what's happening tomorrow. It's prophetic. It's, uh, it's giving us you know, hope for the future, that kind of thing. But vision is not just that. Because if you look backwards, you can always connect the dots back here. You can't connect the dots going forward. Because you don't know what tomorrow brings, even though you may have a vision, you may have a purpose, you may have something that you want. How many of you know that you may write something down or say, this is what I want to happen, this is what I'm going to do to make it happen, and rarely does it go that way, right? Sometimes it goes haywire, and, and sometimes if the Lord even gives you a, a, a place where you're going or gives you a vision for something, the journey to, the, to that place is usually not the one that you intended it to be. And uh, it's all about that journey. So back behind us, if we look back, we, what I did was I went back to when we became the pastors here uh, in 2016, we, uh, June, of two, June 6 of 2016, we became the pastors here. So 2017 was the first year where we ministered a New Year's message, uh, my wife and I, and it was Stake Your Claim. And uh, those of you who were here and, and were here a few weeks ago, I, I ministered that again. And the, what we did was we handed out these wooden stakes, and we had you write on there in faith what you were believing for, and we had you put them by your front door or in your garden or in your home somewhere where you could, it would remind you of that. So uh, we talked about enlarging our space. It was basically a faith message about asking God for more, right? More in 24, right? Back for more in 24. So we did that already. That was our 2017, 2018 was a message on unity or as one. So we're not going to be able to accomplish in the future what God wants us to do here at New Life if we're not unified. Yeah. We're dangerous if we're unified. Yeah. We're powerful yeah. if we're unified, right? If we're, if we're on the same accord, drinking the same uh, spiritual drink, eating the same spiritual food as the Word says, then nothing can stop us 
from accomplishing what God has called us to do. We talked about unity. Then 2019 was the message, Go Deep. And uh, that year was awesome. Every, every time we would say something from the pulpit or, or we would do our confession, somebody would yell out, Go Deep. And it was really great. Uh, I didn't minister that during this uh, time at the beginning of this year because it was very similar to uh, are you part of the crew or, or are you part of the crowd? Very good. Part of the crew or part of the crowd? So I didn't minister that, but so you can go back to that. It's on our app, our website, and you can listen to those messages again. That was 2019. So we're, we got a message of faith. We got a message of unity. And then we, in 2019, we had a message of it's time to step it up. It's time to take the word to the next level. It's time to stop drinking milk and start eating some meat, right? So 2020... We did the 2020 vision, right? And uh, we ministered that last week, and we talked about vision, and we talked about uh, hindsight, foresight, insight, oversight. We talked about all the different kinds of vision. Awesome message. I I always get ministered to with that because as the pastors here, we have to have vision. We have to know where we're going and what God's speaking to us, and we're constantly, I'm constantly asking the Lord because I can, we can come up with stuff. You know, we have visionaries in the house that can you tell them, hey, what do you think's happening? And they, they can give you their vision. But if it's not what God wants us to do, we might, be, we might do something great, but it won't have the power needed for it to take us into the next uh, season of new life. So today we are, 2021 was the year of the giant slayer. In 2021, you know, when we, when we did the 2020 vision, that was uh, in January of 2020. How many of you remember 2020? <laughs> and then just a few months later, right? Uh, 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 I almost said something. The <laughs> everything went haywire, right? Something with a fan. Anyway, everything went haywire, right? Everything went crazy, right? The whole world. And listen, uh, uh, I believe that God was involved. I don't believe that God caused any type of virus or sickness. We're people of faith. We believe that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. He doesn't use that. But something happened globally, whether all the conspiracy theories, whether part of it was true or untrue, whether it was just the flu, whether it was whatever it was. I'm not here to, to, to try and explain that because I don't have the explanation. All I know is that I'm still doing what God called me to do, no matter what's happening around me, right? So that's what we were trying to, to push the church into. We did shut down for a little while. Uh, uh, because the Lord led us. I'll, I'll never forget, we were, I think I said this last week, we were in San Francisco, and the Lord said, you're going to shut down for a little while, and uh, we were coming back from our vacation, and, and we were in California when the whole COVID thing happened, which was, it, it. listen, I'm a little selfish, because it worked out for us. We got into all the restaurants that had uh, up in Big Sur, California, and, and all the restaurants that had like six months of reservation that we couldn't get into, we got into all of them, because they were, you know, pretty much, uh, empty because people were, were flipping out. We were like, no, we got to eat. We're going to go to these restaurants. So anyway, so then uh, 2021 became the year of the giant slayer. And uh, I, I remember ministering that uh, here and uh, we did, how many of you remember the, the stones, right? The five smooth stones. I still have mine. Uh, I have a stake uh, in my uh, I had it out front, and I moved it into the garage. I really need to bring it back out. But uh, every year, we try to do something where you can take something home. And uh, so there's five smooth stones. And I keep that on my desk to remember uh, that even though I may have uh, uh, killed my current giant, there's four more. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm always going to have ammunition, right? I'm always going to have ammo, uh, uh, which is the word. Amen? So 
We were brought to a halt in 2020, literally. Businesses shut down. The economy took a hit. The news fed us fear every single day. Do you know what fear does as far as the media is concerned? It makes you keep watching. Do you know how the media makes money? By you watching. So they kept bringing you back. And, and I remember I was, I was criticized on several occasions because people would come to me and say, did you hear this and did you hear that and did you hear how many people? And I was like, no, I didn't because I'm not watching or listening to that. And, and maybe that was the wrong move for me, uh, but that's how I needed to be because I needed to be in a place where I can lead people through that situation without being affected by the situation. So I kept it out of my mind and I, and I just kept feeding myself the word. And this is how we started uh, 2021. So as we stepped into 2021, things looked the same. They felt the same, but we decided, we made a decision that we weren't going to let this thing continue to uh, determine what we were going to do as a church. And uh, it did affect us. We were uh, pretty much almost standing room. We were about to start another charathon. If you were here uh, when we first came in in 2016, we came in with 50 of these blue chairs. And then on the outside, we had 100 and something, uh, 130 or 40 of those uh, green chairs from the 70s. And uh, you sit down, and some of them had little nails that would get you, you know, and keep you. Those actually worked because they would keep you awake. But um, we had those. So we did a charathon, and uh, we bought chairs. How many, how many of you remember the charathon was here for that? So uh, the whole, I don't know how it happened. It was under the anointing because I don't think I could have come up with this. But I asked all the single ladies in the room, I said, listen, if you're believing for a man, buy a chair. That's faith, right? For, and one of them said, I'm going to buy five chairs so I have some to choose from. <laughs> so the, the, that person, it wasn't Brittany. It wasn't Brittany. But the, the, those chairs there were all bought by one person that was looking for a husband. So uh, it was a joke, and it ended up working. So uh, anyway, we ended up buying the chairs, and, uh, and we were, right before COVID, we were pretty full, I mean, packed out, and we were about to start uh, collecting for, to get another 50 to 100 chairs and trying to figure out how to move forward and maybe put chairs on the side and, and all that. And then COVID hit, and the first service that we opened after that, uh, we were packed out again. So I'm like, oh, we're going to pick up right where we left off. Well, the week after that, we were less than half the people in here, and uh, some people went to other churches, which is awesome. Uh, they're still part of the body. They just went somewhere else. So uh, some people were sent. We prayed over them and sent them to other churches. So we're, you know, we're not here uh, uh, to, uh, you know, we're not a gang. You know, I heard a, a, a preacher say this one time, says, the church is not a gang. When someone leaves, they don't, you know, you don't, you don't go after them and kill them or, <laughs> right, or cut off their finger or anything like that because they left. But uh, the church is the body of Christ. We're just part of the body, right? We're not the church. We're just part of the church. So if someone leaves, we want to send them. It's better to be sent than to leave, right? So some of those allowed us to do that, and we prayed and anointed them and sent them to other churches. So anyway, it felt like we were kind of starting over, and my wife got a, uh, a, a, you know, a, a spiritual vision, or, or the Lord spoke to her about the remnant. How many of you remember that? Yeah. And we... Uh, we were, uh, spoke on the remnant, and she spoke on the remnant, and I read a, a, a book on the remnant, and the, the first paragraph of that book, it says, uh, the remnant is the rag, or what's left over, that God is going to use to clean up the mess. And I was like, wow, that's pretty good, you know? So we were excited about what God was doing and with the ones that we did have, and, uh, and we continued forward. I, I like to say this, that uh, uh, 
we here at New Life, uh, I, I have a lot of friends that are pastors, and uh, the board members are pastors or were pastors for a long time. And uh, people came and said, you know, uh, man, we struggled through COVID. We almost didn't make it financially. We had to, this and the other, and we, they took advantage of, of some of the, the grants and things that were out there for uh, businesses and churches and things. And, and, you know, when it was all said and done, those three months that we were shut down, it was the best three months that we've had since we've been here financially. And we weren't even open. I mean, we were, I was preaching into that camera with, with Gus back there nodding his head and going, yeah, amen, hallelujah, you know. And uh, it was great. It's encouraging the first time, but after about the second or third week, I was, I was like, okay, Gus, we got to do something else here because I'm, I'm a little bored. But <laughs> it, was, it was the hard. I've never done anything like that. I'm, I'm always, you know, like to be in front of people. But So uh, then we get to the, the 2021, and this is the year that we de- determined that we were going to conquer what was conquering us, that we were going to overcome this thing. And I believe that this is where... We finally started to take the reins of this, this thing that was pulling us and pushing us in the wrong direction, and we started to really make that turn. And, uh, you know, it was a giant, right? What do they call the media? They call it the media giant, right? It was a giant that was, and it was global. That's why I like to say God's involved, yep. because it's a global thing, and God can use anything. He didn't cause any of that, but he could definitely use it uh, for his benefit, and because he's a God of the earth and a God of the world, for God so loved the world, right? We like to think he's American, or, or I like to think he's Cuban, but, um, you know, he's a God of all the people in the world. And, uh, you know, my wife and I were having this conversation, I believe it was yesterday, about being blessed. And, uh, you know, we're spoiled here in the U.S., the things that we have and the way that we live our lives and, and all that. And, and you go to other parts of the world, and people are so happy with so little. And, uh, and here we just want more and more and more. And, uh, we're, learning, we're, we're learning to be more grateful uh, for everything. I'll tell you this, every time I, my, my office is in here, the door to my office is inside the sanctuary here. Um, so when I come in during the week or, or I was here yesterday and I come in and there's nobody in here and it's quiet, you know, when school aid's not going on or whatever, I come in and I just, I, sometimes I just stop and pray and I think, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I'm reading a, a book now on um, how to how to get your church to the next level or something like that, the next season. And um, and he says, what got you to where you're at today is not where, what's going to get you to where you're going tomorrow. And I was like, that's really good. So I've been reading that, and uh, I was out. The weather was perfect yesterday, so I sat outside till it got dark, and uh, and and was reading through that, and. Uh, and he was giving uh, statistics. The first couple of chapters are just very scientific and men that have done uh, research and, and with churches and they have a, a life cycle and how they grow and there's a, a bell curve and all this stuff and he's explaining everything. And then in that, there's three pastors that are actually meeting in a... The, the book is written through these three pastors that are sitting in a coffee shop and they're kind of just talking about church and one of them wants to quit. And So it, the, the first of every chapter is these three guys having this conversation and uh, so he explains how in the first five years, what happens. And usually if a church is planted like in a home, which is how we started, we started in someone's living room, where you plant it in a, in a home like that, it usually takes, you usually move from there to renting or leasing something, and then it usually takes between five to ten years before you actually purchase something, where you've grown to a point where you can purchase a property and, and, or purchase another building, and then it becomes yours, and then 
Uh, they say after five years in marriage, it's like that too. If you make it through the first five years, uh, you know, it, it's supposed to get easier. <laughs> but sometimes you hit these little bumps in there. But, you know, you're five years, 10 years, 15 years. And uh, we were talking yesterday, and I said, look at what the Lord did. We were four years. Uh, we were a year in someone's living room. We moved into uh, a 4,000-square-foot piece of property in Deland. We were Faith Family Worship Center. Uh, the guy that owned the building gave it to us, said, you can stay here until you grow, and then you can pay the lease when you get there. We, w- we were in there for a year without paying anything. And uh, we did all, I mean, we did fix the place up and out of our own pocket, um, and uh, uh, we, we started there. And then from there, uh, at four years, uh, Pastor John and, and Jennifer, for, that were the pastors here from 1990, they were here 26 years, uh, they came to us and asked us to take over here, and that's how we ended up here. And now we're in our own building, right, with a church. Uh, we probably owe 20% of what the building's worth. We're, we're in the process of trying to pay that off so we don't have a mortgage. But, uh, you know, somebody signed over their entire 26 years of ministry and just signed it over and walked away. And that doesn't happen. I, mean, I was telling my wife yesterday, this just doesn't happen like this. And we are way in front of that curve. So there's got to be some, God's got to do something, right? Because if we just look at what's happened in the natural, then we know what's about to happen in the supernatural, and God's about to do something. So that's where this message came in on 2021, the year of the giant slayer. I give you that, that kind of preface or that little startup before we do these messages so that you understand. I, I want to see where God has brought us from and the words that he has been given us so that we know where we're going next. And he has greater things, right? I don't want to ever become complacent and become, right, where you're just kind of, things are good, let's just keep doing what we're doing. And, um, okay, Lord. So we, we have added some things this year. We have the, the men of valor. Uh, this ministry uh, birthed out of uh, complaints. No, it wasn't complaints. It birthed out of, uh, let me see, who was the first one? I think it was Gus. Gus and I have a very, very uh, good relationship. Uh, I have a very similar relationship with Spencer, um, which is weird because I'm old and they're young, but um, we have a very special now. For Spencer, I I was his boss for a few years, and this morning we realized that I only gave him a hard time once, so he must have been a pretty good employee because I thought it was more than that, but he said it was only once, and he would remember because I gave him the hard time, right? But, uh, uh, you know, and the Lord brought him and his wife here to us from Minnesota where they were from, and I won't tell you that whole story, but they're here serving us because of the Lord and, and because they hear, they hear God, and we're, we're honored to have them, yes. So uh, uh, Gus came to me and, and, you know, told me and said a few things to me about there's a need, and, and, uh, and, and he's accustomed to doing this because I, I don't have vision for the media ministry. I'm in that age, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 57 this year, so I'm kind of in the middle, you know, I, I believe in it, and I know that there's opportunity in social media and things like that, but I just don't have all this stuff, the camera and the streaming and all. He did all that. I didn't do all that. And Yeah, so I, he had vision for that. I didn't have vision for that. So he came, and then uh, Pastor Tyler came to me and, and mentioned something, and then another gentleman mentioned that there was a need for uh, uh, some type of ministry for these uh, young married, 20 to 30s married young men. And there's, it's very specific ministry, uh, what they need and how they need to do it. So uh, that's new, and that's starting up uh, next. 
And we had a meeting with some of these men, and they were able to have their input. It's a little weird for me as the pastor because I like to have my hands in everything. But one of the things that they asked about this men, uh, men of Valor ministry is that, that I would not be there. <laughs> so I cried, and I was really, I was a mess. <laughs> for, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I'm proud. Of, I really am proud of them because as, as, a, as a pastor, you're kind of like a parent, you know, and when you see these men taking off with something and, and wanting to do it on their own, and, and I get it why, you know, it's easier for them to minister and to share with each other while I'm not there. So I, I didn't have that, that reaction at all. I knew what was coming. So that's new. And then the way we're doing life groups now, uh, Pastor Curley and Elder Barber are going to start doing books, which we stopped doing a couple of years ago, and here we are doing it now. So we got to be ready and willing to allow ministries to die and ministries to start, and according to the need of the church. Our teen corner started not too long ago uh, because there was so many kids in the children's church, and the age group was so different. And we were like, you know, uh, Pastor Tyler and, and Stephanie came back from Texas, and, and uh, we could not do these things. My wife and I cannot oversee and do all this stuff. So he came back with a vision for that, and, and they, they kind of took it off, and, and now they have their own corner there, and it's doing really great. The youth is growing. People are asking us about the youth now, and, and, and kids are coming, so uh, they're having outings, and I think the next thing they're having is, oh, today is the bake sale, and they're, they're, they're trying to get some funds together for different things. Yeah, <laughs> some, just, yeah the ones that cheer are always the skinny people, right? But... They're all the, the Spanish people laugh. How do you say that in English? Uh, uh, ungrateful. Yeah, they're ungrateful because they eat and they don't get fat. So the rest of us are grateful. <laughs> right? Because we eat. So I don't know what's out there, but I got a, I got a wallet full of cash. I'm going to go out there. And if, you're, if you can't eat any of that and you're gluten free or, or, or whatever it is and you can't, or you, you're on a diet, or whatever it is that you're not doing or doing, just stop by the table and drop off a couple of bucks and help them out. They're going to have a Nerf war in here, and uh, they're really starting to do some things, and, and we're looking at a, a, uh, a youth conference coming up in the summer uh, to send them to and all that. So things are coming around the corner, and uh, things are happening, and uh, you know none of that would have happened unless the sheep went, <laughs> that's what happened. Right? They came. Sometimes they go, bah, and I go, no. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but sometimes they come, and they buy, and I listen. I say, okay, we need to get them over to a different pasture into different waters. Right? As a shepherd, that's our, that's our job. 1 Samuel 17, 3 and 4. 1 Samuel 17, 3 and 4. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. Them Philistines. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, over nine feet tall. Like to have someone like that in the NBA. This French guy is tearing it up. He stands next to six, six guys, and they're like down here. Right? Imagine nine feet. And we jump to verse 8 in 1 Samuel 17, verse 8. Then he stood and cried out the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? 
That's where he was wrong. <laughs> the answer to that is no. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. You see, I mean, I can't read this with a mouthful of pride like he was doing. This guy's nine feet, big, strong, right, army guy. I mean, this is a soldier, right? He's got a, right, oh, hoo-ah, hoo-ah, right? This guy's, this guy's a, a, come on. He's not just saying this, hey, why don't you send down? He's up there mocking them, right, and, and full of pride. Verse 10, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were, everybody say it, dismayed and greatly afraid. See, he used his size as intimidation to cause Israel to be dismayed and to be greatly afraid. As I said earlier, the top five media companies are called the media giants. They use their size in, during this time to dismay us and to put fear into us. It took years to get back to where we're at now, where people, you know, now you go to the doctor and they, and they you know, I don't even go anymore because it hurts more to be tested for COVID than to have it. They shove that thing up in your, and your eyeball rolls like this. You know, it's terrible. They don't do that. If they do that and they say, oh, you have it, just wear a mask. You can go to work tomorrow. That's what they're doing. Just wear a mask. Go back to work. You're fine. When it used to be 14 days quarantine, five days quarantine, right? And they kept, they kept changing it and changing it. But they had fear. and We did exactly what we were told. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we were moved by these media giants and, and Fauci. <laughs> there's a, they have the, you ever heard of Florida man? So there's this, this news thing. Everybody laugh. Those of you who have know what I'm talking about. We got some weird people here in the state of Florida. But they call it Florida man, and he comes out and he tells the news however he wants to, and he's kind of a, a central Florida hillbilly kind of, uh, what do they call them, crackers? They call them crackers? Yeah. So, and it's, that's not derogatory, by the way. That's, that's from the old times of using whips. Crack, crack, okay? All right. Before anybody gets offended with me, I'm not, you know, saying anything like that. But he comes out and he says, uh, he, he says, the news and the truth or something, and he says, Fauci's a chiropractor. <laughs> a chiropractor. Like, he's not a real doctor. You know, he's a chiropractor. And Fauci doesn't make his own sauce. What Italian doesn't make his own sauce? <laughs> so he, his whole news thing, it's funny, you know, because it's not true. But, uh, you know, he does this whole thing about, about Fauci. But anyway... That guy came out and told us things, and we, what? What did we do? We did what we were told. So in verse 11, this word dismayed is the word kathaw. means to prostrate, to break down, literally by violence, figuratively, figuratively by confusion and fear. Abolish, it means afraid. Beat down, discouraged, caused to be dismayed, to go down, to scare, to terrify. They were dismayed. That's even, that's more than fear, right? 
You're, you're bowing to this thing, basically. You're saying, okay. And he was out there doing this for days. They didn't, nobody wanted to go down there. 1 Samuel 17, 26. Then David. David shows up with some cheese and bread. His father sent him out, you know, to bring a little lunch to the guys. And here's this little ruddy guy that used to tend to the sheep. And David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done? For the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is... Now, you went from this prideful, send me the baddest man you got, I'm going to beat him down, to who is this guy? He probably, since he was small, he probably didn't have like a deep voice. He was probably like high pitched, you know. Who is this guy? <laughs> Who does he think he, he's not even circumcised? <laughs> Sir, thank you. Uncircumcised means not one of us. It means ungodly in the Old Testament. Philistine is a sojourner immigrant who does not belong here with us. So he, he was a Philistine. He was uncircumcised. David's like, what are you guys doing? The fact that he's uncircumcised and the fact that he's a Philistine means he doesn't belong here. And all his threats need to be quieted by someone to go down there in the name of the Lord and take care of this guy. What are you guys waiting on? 1731. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not, able to, <laughs> you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are your youth. And he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Listen, and when a lion or a bear came, and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. Think about that for a minute. I caught it by his beard and struck and killed it. Like he gave him a chance to live, right? He says, I, I won't strike him down, but unless he comes after me. And he did. And I grabbed him by his beard and I killed him. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you, bro. Okay, man, those are big words. Coming out of a little man, those are big words. What did he do? He went to the notches on his belt. My wife doesn't like this belt because it's white and it's flashy. Right? He went to the notches. Imagine, white, white, white. He went to the notches on his belt and he said, I have killed a lion and I've killed a bear. What other, I had many, many jobs as a teenager and uh, did a lot of different things. I worked once time uh, at a factory that took old rifles from, uh, this was from, we were doing at that time the Spanish War. 
So they were uh, M1 carbine, I think they were called. And on the, on the butt, they were wooden. And on the butt, they would mark off the people they've killed. And they would, you know, mark off four. And then the line, that's five, five, like that. And, you know, you could see all the markings on there. And, and to remind them of how many they've killed, like how many. And it probably, it's, it's horrible. I know it sounds terrible, but when wars like that. And when you're, when you're encouraging yourself, and that's what he did. He not only told these people what he had done, he was encouraging himself in the Lord. That's what it says. David encouraged himself in the Lord. In modern vernacular, he pulled himself up by his bootstraps, right? He, he made himself feel like, hey, I already killed a lion. I've already killed a bear. And listen, I don't care what you've been through in life and, and what... Uh, 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 defeats you've had and how many failures you've had. None of that matters because you've had some victories. You've had some victories because the Lord was with you in some of those times and you had those victories and you can go back to those and remember that was happening with Israel. They were, they were out in the desert. Why? Because they forgot that the ocean opened up and swallowed up their enemy. They forgot that. We need to remember all our victories. Remember all the times that the Lord pulled us out. All the times that he provided for us. All the times that he healed us. All the time that that he helped us through situations. We need not forget those things. Because I'm going to fill my spirit and my mouth with those things. I'm going to spill them at the enemy and tell them, you think you got me? Ha! I've been here before, buddy, and I took them down. That's what he said. I've been here before. A bear and a lion. Right? And he talks about the paw. You ever seen the paw and a bear? I mean, they go, what? The thing is to remember. Remember. Don't forget what God has already done. Not just for you, but for us here at New Life. He's done some pretty amazing things. David was not only letting Saul know what he had done, but was reminding himself that he had killed a lion and a bear. He gave God the credit. Even though he was boasting, it sounds like he's boasting, but then he turns around and says, the Lord delivered me from both, right? The Lord did this. He gave him the glory and gave him the honor. Because only God could have helped him do that. Psalm 78, 7. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Don't forget the works of God. We're going to cover this in a couple of weeks when I, when I do the power of re. And one of those is remember. Psalms 103, uh, 2 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. <coughs> Excuse me. Like your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's all past tense. He's already done these things. <laughs> In Revelations, it says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what he was doing. He was giving a testimony. I've already killed a lion. I've already killed a bear. I overcome. And now in the New Testament, we overcome by the blood because of what he did on the cross. And he shed there, it empowers me. It empowers me to be an overcomer, to be more than a 
conqueror. Not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. That's what David was. Can you imagine? David was probably, I don't know, maybe my mom's size. <laughs> barely, barely five feet, right? Maybe five feet tall. Yeah. Don't mess with her. Don't mess with her. Yeah. When she comes to visit, I put all the wooden spoons away. So. <laughs> he was a little man. And then you got a nine-foot-something dude out there, man, a warrior. First Samuel 17, 38 through 39 says, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. His sword was probably rubbing on the ground. For he had not tested them. What did he test? The power of God. He had tested the Lord and had won against the lion and the bear. But this, he hadn't tested yet. He wasn't sure. He's only sure about God being on his side. But about wearing this stuff, he's not sure. And David said to Saul, listen, I can't walk with these, for I have not even tested them. So David took them off. I wasn't wearing this stuff when I took out the lion and the bear. I wasn't. I didn't have this sword. I didn't have all this natural stuff. I just grabbed them by the beard. I just took care of business because God was on my side. That's why. We want to do everything the way, in the natural way that the world teaches us to do things. We want to put on this armor, right, that the world says, put this on. It doesn't fit. It shouldn't fit. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, not by a, an armor. Now, when we look into Ephesians, we see a spiritual armament, right? We see the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, right? We see that we should, and I, there was a time in my life where I was putting that on all the time. I would wake up and read those scriptures. I need this helmet of salvation so that my mind stays focused on the things of God. I need the breastplate of righteousness that my heart may be covered and protected. I need the belt of truth, and that's personal to me because I'm a man. It covers my loins. I wear the belt of truth. I want to preach the gospel everywhere I go, so I, I wear these, these shoes that allow me to bring the gospel to others. And the sword, and the, and, right? I, I have my defense and my offense. There's times for defense, but there's times for offense, right? The sword of the Spirit. So, yeah, spiritually those things. But naturally, he, was, he put this on him. Can you imagine what he looked like? I mean, the, the, the sword on his side was probably dragging on the ground. His helmet, his head was probably shaking inside this helmet. It didn't fit him. He's like, I didn't use this before. But what do we do? We fall back. And part of the message uh, 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 on this particular time and season that we were in, part of this message was we're doing what the world is telling us to do. And we're putting on the armament that the, the world was telling us to put on. And it's not how we're going to come through this. We're going to come through this by the power of the Lord being on our side. If you remember that. But we're so past that. In Zechariah, in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6, the second part, it says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. 
In 1 Samuel 17, again, verses 40 through 51, then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, shepherd's bag, in a pouch, which he had, and his sling was in the other hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. These were, he wasn't, we always think, we always see those pictures of Goliath and David. There was another man there holding a shield protecting Goliath. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth. (laughs) He probably laughed at him, ruddy. And good-looking. He was short. At least he had that going for him, right? He was good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick, with these sticks? (laughs) Right? Mocking him. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, lowercase g, by the way, by Goliath's gods. And And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, If you come to me with a sword, with a spear, or with a javelin, but I come to you in the name, in the name, in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Not a David, a God, right? Not a shepherd boy. A God. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David, and David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. Then David put his hand on his bag and took out a stone, and he slung and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. (laughs) So David prevailed. Over the Philistines with a sling and a stone, struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Listen to this. Therefore, David ran and stood over. I think he had to climb on top of, right? Stood over the Philistine, took his sword, took his sword, his weapon, what he was going to use to kill David. He took his sword and drew it out of his sheath. And killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. He took the very weapon that the enemy had meant for bad and turned it for good. I think that sounds familiar to me. 
I don't understand how that works. We were reading that scripture the other day. How does he turn something so bad and he turns it to good? I don't know. He's God. He can do it. But only he can do it. Only he can take the same weapon that was meant to bring you down and turn it on on the enemy and and turn the whole thing around. Can you imagine that? I I see it this way, you know. And and I know, oh, that's gory. Listen, you guys watch movies and watch stuff that's much worse. All right, so can you imagine the head of this man? He was nine feet tall. He didn't have a cabeza frijol. He didn't have a, a bean head. He had, he had a head. Can you imagine David brought this tall carrying this head? Cabeza calabaza, right? He, he had a pumpkin head. Right? He just carried him around with him. And David didn't say, see what I did. He didn't say that at all. Every opportunity he had, he said, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord did this for me. I have a message called pray first. We want to take things on on our own. We want to go after things. We want to fight the devil on our own. And everything's a a fight and a war. And I'm a prayer warrior. And and all that's in our own strength. Because if you're praying from a place of victory rather than for the victory, then it's different. The prayer changes. Your stance changes. Everything changes. David was up there on that hill looking down at this Philistine, already proclaiming his victory. He was saying and speaking out of his mouth the victory. It was already a done deal for him. All he had to do was go down there and let God use him. But we don't do that. We go out of our own strength and our own thing, and we fight, and we, and we, <laughs> right? And then if we win, we want to take credit. Oh, because I prayed 10 hours a day and fasted for 21 days, and because I, 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 I. It's not about I, I, I. It's about him, him, him. He did that for David. And David was very, very careful, if you read through these scriptures, to make sure to give God the glory. Now, God, uh, David took five stones because Goliath had four brothers. David was not only prepared to slay the giant, but the, to, was uh, present, but the four giants that weren't there related to Goliath. He knew what he was doing. We must always be ready for the next victory. Now he's got a lion, a bear, and a giant marked in his belt. A lion, a bear, and a giant. 2 Samuel 21, 22, it says there, these four were born to the giant in Goth and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. We always, Goliath, Goliath, Goliath. He didn't just take out Goliath. He wiped out the whole family. He took them all. This was the enemy, right? He took them all out. Goliath, the name, to uncover or go into exile. Kind of fits, right? To appear as a strong man, but actually be vulnerable. That's what Goliath means. His brother, Lami, that's kind of, you can get away with names like that when you're nine feet plus, right? It was called, listen to this, his name means bread for food. If you know your Bible, you understand Gideon. Remember Gideon? By the sword of the Lord, right? By the power of Gideon and the sword of the Lord, by the sword of the Lord he won. And what did the enemy see in the encampment the night before? A loaf of barley bread. And he went around and told everybody, they're coming to defeat us. 
Why? Because of a piece of loaf of barley bread. He sets a table in the midst of our enemies. What do you do at a table? You eat. You eat bread. And bread is not, it's just, right? It's just a bread. Listen, I'm so sorry if you're gluten-free because bread's the best thing that God ever created, right? I mean, come on. Mama mia. Yeah, no, that's not bread. They should take the gluten out of all the breads that they take the gluten and put it in the other breads and then I'll eat those. Give me the gluten. Goliath, to uncover Lami, the bread for food. Remember Gideon? Then the other brother, Ishbi Benab. Ishbi Benab. His dwelling is a knob. Nob is a high place or a mountain. It means uneducated. They would send these guys... We still have those. We've been up into the mountains of Virginia, and you found some people up there, and they're not educated. I'm not making fun. I'm just telling you. It still happens today. And they send these people up there because there's no education up there. They send them up to the mountain, to the high place. Sipai, S-I-P-P-A-I, means basin for washing feet. That's what they named their kid. That's horrible. He took him out too. And the last one, I'm going to do my best here, people. Exactactylus. 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 Exactactylus means six fingers and six toes. Right. Right? Six fingers and six toes. That's what that means. Because when he was born, they said, oh, boy, <laughs> this one's, we're going to go ahead and name him six fingers and six toes. To slay our giants, we need to know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle. There may be some natural things we need to do to proclaim the victory or from the victory that is already ours. And the, the best way to do this, and, and I've taught this before, I'm going to go through this fairly quickly, and it's guard your heart. Tame your tongue and lift your eyes. Right? Guard your heart. Tame your tongue and lift your eyes. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. There, there's your, there's your, your, your armor, your sword. For they are a life, a life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. 23. Keep your heart, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. 24, put away from you deceitful mouth, tame your tongue, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Guard your heart. In the Message Bible, Proverbs 4, verse 23, says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. See, we want to fight. but We don't have the, the armament. We don't have the, right? When the enemy comes in, in, in where we live now, this, you know, we talk naturally about David and Goliath, but when the enemy comes, what does he come with? Words and lies. You're either going to serve the father of truth or you're going to serve the father of lies. There's no in between. And anything that the enemy, you know, you know how the, you know the enemy is lying? His lips are moving, 
right? Because he's always lying. And he comes with these words. And he comes with these words. But if you don't have a defense for that, what's a defense for words from the enemy? Words from God. For it is written. What did Jesus say when he was tempted? It is written. And Jesus was at his weakest physical point. He could have given in because he was physically, he didn't physically come against the enemy. He came against the enemy with the scripture. He answered him for it is written and began to quote scripture. Your heart is where your dreams are. Your heart is where you plant your seeds. Your heart is the womb where the dreams incubate. Guard it. That's why we support uh, 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 coastal choices and resources for women. The womb is a holy place. It's a place where God creates. The word womb actually comes from the word kabod, which means uh, weight of glory, which is the same word that they use for the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine that the woman carries the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, the holy of holy place inside of her, and then the man brings the seed and plants it in that place, and then God says, I, I molded you in your mother's womb, it says in Psalm 139. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. That's the womb where your dreams are, the womb where your faith is, the womb where the words of God are. Guard it. The enemy is after what is in your heart. Remember the parable of the sower? The giant is out to make you a slave. Guard your heart, and he cannot have you, you or your offspring. The faith to slay giants comes from the word of God in your heart. Psalms 119, 10, 11. I seek you with all my heart. I'm going to preach this in a few weeks. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, are you having trouble with the sin giant? Are you having trouble getting the word in your heart? The only way you can withstand the temptations of the enemy is with a smooth stone. It is written. The only way you will respond is like that. It is written. But you can't say it is written and not follow that up with a word. You have to have a scripture. You have to follow that. It is written. I didn't write this. He did. And if God said it, then the Lord's on my side, right? Luke 6, 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What a confusing scripture. Am I the only one? Out of the same heart? There's evil and good. That means that the heart is capable of either one. But you determine which one. By what? The word. By by putting the word in your heart, that heart begins to become holy and not evil. And it begins to speak holy things and not evil things. Because out of the abundance of the heart. See, the more junk you put in there, we used to tell our kids not to say the word, but we used to say, and then they came up with C-Rap. Well, we say C-Rap. All the C-Rap you put in there, right, is that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If people are saying certain things, it's because that's what's there. That's what you fed your heart. That doesn't come from nowhere. Sometimes when we were children's pastors and you see these little kids and they say something, 
They got that from somewhere. Somebody planted that in their heart. Because out of there is where the mouth speaks. That's where it leads us from guard your heart into tame your tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What fruit? Death or life. I want to eat life fruit, not death fruit, right? What you say reveals what's in your heart. The tongue is a very powerful muscle, the most powerful muscle. Uh, uh, Use it for life and not for death. David used his tongue. When he declared that the Lord delivered him from the lion and the bear, now the Lord was going to deliver him from this uncircumcised Philistine. Speak to your giant. Let him know who you are and whose you are. That used to be one of my sayings whenever I would start these little prayer and things would happen in my home and that I didn't like. I would say, you know what? I'm a son of the living God, creator of heaven and earth, bought by the blood of Jesus. That's who I am. By that point, by the time you finish that phrase, the enemy's trembling in his boots. He knows who he is. Once you start telling him who you are, that's what David did to to Goliath, to the giant. He began telling him. He not only told him who Goliath was, you're an uncircumcised Philistine. You don't even belong here. You don't even belong here. But I come to you in the name of the Lord Most High. And then you lift your eyes. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. In the message Bible says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all the sideshow distractions. I love that. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. Look ahead. Ponder the path. In other words, have vision for your future. See what God is doing. 2 Corinthians, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That word sight is not just what you see. It's all, it means all five senses. What you feel, what you smell, what you hear. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We need to be able to look above the circumstance and begin to see what God is doing. If we look at the circumstance, you know, we, as pastors, we've had opportunity to do that. Through the highs and the lows and the people coming and leaving. And, right? And you look and you say, what am I, did I do something wrong? And we need to search our hearts. David searched his heart. He asked God to search his heart. That's, that's a pretty serious prayer right there. Search my heart, O oh God, and see if there's any iniquity in me. Right? You got to come before the Lord like that. Search me, oh God. Amen. There's nothing you can hide from him. He's going to find everything in every dark corner. But lift your eyes above the circumstance so you can see. We need to see what God is doing. But if you focus on where you're at, you're never going to see what God is doing. It's a distraction. Psalms 121, 1 through 8. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help my help comes from the lord who made heaven and earth he will not allow your foot to be moved he who keeps you will not slumber behold he who keeps israel shall neither slumber nor sleep the lord is your keeper the lord is your shade at your right hand the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. 
He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. That scripture starts with, I will lift my eyes to the hills. I will lift my eyes to what God is doing. No more sideshow distractions. I'm not letting these things come into my life. I'm not letting these things bother me. I'm not letting the words that have been spoken over me or about me bother me anymore. I only believe what God has said about me and my situation. I choose to look above and see what the Lord is doing. For the sake of this series, I'm going to look back and see what the Lord has done. For He will do it again. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. We thank you, Father, for your word. of victory over our giants. It may seem too large for us to conquer, Lord, but with you on our side, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. For I am more, more, more than a conqueror. It is written. seasons and waves in the churches in the church as a whole not just ours but in the church there's been the, the, the Pentecostal movement remember and the, the, the Holy Spirit movement and, and all those things are still true there's still a, a, a power of the Holy Spirit moving in the church but there's been moments and times and I believe in this end time harvest uh, the Lord spoke to me that the anointing and the power is going to be upon his word it's always been upon his word but there's something happening here in these end times this this time where the Lord is reestablishing the church on the earth, that he is giving power to his word. There's something going on. He showed it to me, and I was like, the anointing and the power is in his word. Get into the word. You can only say it is written if you know what is written. We have opportunity here for that. You should be doing it on your own. If you're showing up on Sunday to get a word to last you the rest of the week, try doing that with your natural food. Go to a buffet, eat for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, and then don't eat anything until the next Sunday morning. You're not going to make it. The word of the Lord gives me strength. Right? Come on. Gives me victory. It sharpens my sword. <laughs> it builds my faith. Come on, we can't think that we're going to get all encouraged by a word uh, of, of how David defeated Goliath and think we're going to go out there and do the same thing without having our stone 
in our sling and know that God is with us. For it is by the power of the Lord that we have our victory. Not by strength nor by power, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Make us hungry and thirsty for your word. In the power of Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.